Welcome to Behavior Grooves. My name is Kurt Nelson. And I'm Tim Houlihan. Given the strange and turbulent times that we are living through, Kurt and I decided to reach out to some of our favorite behavioral science researchers and practitioners to get their take on the novel coronavirus pandemic that is shaking the world. These special edition episodes will explore a variety of different aspects of the crisis and our response to each of those aspects through a behavioral lens. We know that you may feel overwhelmed by the crisis already. It seems Every news story, every social media thread, every phone conversation that we have is focused on some aspect of the pandemic right now. While the news and updated information are essential, we're going to take a different tact. We want to try to understand the science behind our reactions and our behaviors and how science can help us cope and move beyond the current crisis. In each episode, we talk with a different behavioral science expert and get their best thinking on an aspect of the crisis. So sit back. Take a deep breath and listen to our special series on behavioral science and the coronavirus pandemic. All right. Chris Pfeiffer, welcome to Behavioral Groups. Thank you for having me. We are excited to have you here, Chris. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and then also about Tegra, who you work for? Sure. So uh, I am a senior analyst at Tegra Analytics, and I've worked there for the past seven years. Uh, we have offices in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, which is a, like a suburb of Philadelphia and Columbia, South Carolina. But I'm actually calling here from Memphis, Tennessee, which I've, has been my home for the past three years. So I've um, been working remotely there uh, since then. So this COVID situation is a little more familiar to me than perhaps uh, other people trying to navigate. <laughs> the uh, work from home <laughs> kind of situation. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But- so tell us a little bit, what does Tegra Analytics do? What uh, Give our listeners a little background on Tegra. Sure. So uh, Tegra was founded in 2002, um, and we're a data analytics consulting firm. Uh, and our clients are primarily in the healthcare, uh, pharmaceutical, medical device, the life sciences industry is what it's usually called. And we focus on, I guess, a domain you might call Salesforce effectiveness. So uh, kind of in short, uh, Salesforce effectiveness is, you know, it's, it's using analytics as well as behavioral science. That's an important aspect too, to optimize sales results. And it's important, especially important in these times because, you know, the life sciences industries are very dependent on in-person selling, um, face-to-face uh, sales reps to doctors or other stakeholders in most cases, as opposed to uh, digital marketing that may be more common in other fields like, you know, some of the gadgets and things you're probably ordering right now to keep yourself busy um, at these times. Um, so understandably, it's very impacted by uh, COVID-19. But um, I could just give kind of a brief kind of summary of like some, it's a big area and we tend to cover a lot of uh, elements of Salesforce effectiveness. Probably one of the biggest things that we'll touch on more on this call in detail is incentive compensation. Yep. So, um, you know, as you know, most sales reps, you know, they have a base salary and they also have a variable compensation piece. So, and that's typically based on performance, whether it's, you know, sales or the activities that reps do on a day-to-day basis. Um, and so we design, manage, and administer those plans and payout structures, both from a data perspective and sort of a behavioral motivation perspective. Yeah. And so I got I got associated with you because we both have a, a same client, 
uh, and that we were doing some communication with, and you guys were doing all the all the the hard work actually of of doing all the analytics on on the incentive <laughs> plans and various different pieces of it. And then we've stayed in touch uh, with with some other uh, people within your organization, and I was really impressed because uh, as we were talking through. What uh, what's going on with COVID nineteen? As we are reaching out and, and talking with the people that we've we've been in touch with, you guys uh, wrote a white paper on uh, COVID nineteen and incentive compensation and and kind of the the response of what you've been seeing from your your clients, but also then looking forward and taking some uh, approaches of looking at what needs to happen or what can happen in this. And so wanted to really talk a little bit about that, particularly as it relates to, you know, how do companies respond when they have sales forces that are being impacted by this with their incentive compensation? Because I think there's a lot of factors that go into play. So first, uh, and then Tim, I will shut up and you can ask the next question after this because I'm just you know dominating everything here. But uh, at first, how have your how have the companies that you've been working with, how have they responded? What have you seen as a response given given the craziness of what's going on in the market? Sure. So um, as you might expect, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, this is a very face-to-face industry, but um, more or less across the board, all of our clients we're working with, you know, sales reps are now working from home, which, you know, is a challenge. I know I've, I've heard of different strategies. Um, you know, typically a common sales activity that they might do is, you know, deliver, delivering lunch to a doctor's office and meeting with that doctor a little bit, you know, with promotional materials. Uh, obviously that's been changed to, you know, deliver, trying to deliver those lunches and maybe trying to catch up on a Zoom call, which isn't quite as effective. And there's definitely <laughs> some things lost in that, that interaction. Um, you know, there are other potential things, you know, you could do more telesales calls, speaker programs, but at the end of the day, it's tough because, you know, in our kind of statistical models, we found that, um, you know, we've done analyses where we've looked at the effectiveness of telesales versus field sales versus speaker programs or just general marketing campaigns or training programs and how they impact sales. At the end of the day, there's no, there's no true substitute for that face-to-face interaction. So, um, that has certainly been a challenge for our clients. In terms of uh, what what folks are doing, it, it kind of depends. I think part of it, you know, uh, across the industry, we're definitely seeing a decline in uh, prescriptions across the board that for various reasons. Uh, unemployment, I'm sure, is a very big factor. I think I saw in an article today, it's as high as 22 million people, which is really astounding and just, you know, Terrible, but um, you know, there's there's a lot of different ways you can kind of look at, at how, or excuse me, there's a lot of different ways that clients are responding. Some are not actually responding at all, and they're but they're remaining flexible. You know, at the end of the day, one of the things you might have to look at with your product is, you know, inelastic demand. You know, kind yeah. of pulling back on my undergraduate economics. You know, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, like for example, my, you know, my fiance, she has type one diabetes. In the end of the day, you know, it's she's still going to take her insulin. She's still going to get her pump supplies. That's not, that's not going to change, but maybe for some other more things that involve elective procedures or things of that nature, that, that very well might change. And, and as well as the demand for products that might be um, new launches. You know, I've, we've also seen some clients that are delaying launches that were supposed to happen this year because, you know, they're not going to get the same type of sales um, that they would get otherwise. 
So, Chris, could we look a little bit more tactically at um, when I think about modeling, I think about using historical data. And I think about, okay, so this is what we've known about the world. And we were anticipating the world being sort of similar to the way that it was, but now it's not. Uh, what kind of assumptions are you building into your models today to say, well, this is the way we should look at, this would be a more effective way of looking at a, a sales compensation plan today? Um, so that, that, that kind of evolves. I think when, it, uh, for example, one type of common plan is a quota plan. And you know, being able to give a salesperson a quota, you need to be able to forecast what that quota is. And even if you're in a situation where you kind of have a nice normal distribution that's like, you know, like your bottom end of your reps are like, you know, 80 to 90% attainment and your top end is like 110 to 120, that could go completely out of whack with something like this or, or even some more common market events. Um, for example, um, like a loss of exclusivity. You know, mm -hmm. we've had a client, we have multiple clients where we've navigated loss of exclusivity situations. For those who aren't as familiar, that's, you know, in the pharmaceutical industry, you have a patent for a drug and then eventually you lose that patent. And, you know, sometimes that just comes over time and sometimes there can be legal things that might happen, they make that happen earlier than you expect. Um, when it comes to, so it, it can it can be tough. Part of it, you know, for example, if, if we're really expecting for, um, so like for uh, the first quarter, for example, so um, January and February in that case were more or less not affected by COVID-19 in the United States, but obviously March is. So you really have to kind of forecast and see what you think, how you think it's good, how you think it's gonna impact your product. In some cases, it might not impact your product. In some cases, you might want to discount your quota um, reduce it a bit. And, you know, in some cases you might just want to say, Hey, here's a guaranteed payout of, you know, we're just going to compensate you for a third of your payout. And the first two months will be based on performance. Um, uh, there's obviously motivation questions, uh, you know, as to how effective that might be, but, um, you know, there's just some different ways of dealing with that. Yeah. So, so looking at that, when companies are, are looking at, changing their incentive plans because of this. And I think most of them are at least looking at this to see what that impact could be. What are the factors that you think should be part of the analysis? Obviously, there's going to be some financial factors. As you said, uh, prescriptions are going down or they're flat because they're inelastic. Uh, there's also fairness issues of you know what, regional differences between various different uh, pharma reps who, you know, it might be closed down earlier and longer in New York than it would be maybe in some of the, the Midwest or Plain States or other areas of, of the nation. So there's a fairness aspect that goes into this, um, you know, and, and then you'd also talked about there's that motivation piece and incentives are typically put in place in order to drive the people's motivation to go above and beyond to do those extra things. And there's part of this, again, given that the aspect that you talked about at the very beginning of if it's not face-to-face -face and there's new ways of interacting, uh, do you need to change that motivation or do you need to have the same motivation in there? So I'm just wondering, uh, what are some of the factors that you think companies need to be looking at uh, be, you know, 
double down on what I said or, or add to that, whatever you think? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is, I would say, a big factor in all this that really has to be considered is company culture. I think the type of IC plan you have really, at the end of the day, regardless of whether you're talking pre-COVID or current situation, you know, company culture is super important. Um, for example, whether or not you have more of a kind of a competitive culture, you might want to have a plant more competitive or more of a collaborative culture where everyone can win. That's, you know, assessing that is hard to quantify, but it's super important. And that's where we, you know, really differs customer by customer. And they ultimately have to be kind of the subject matter expert for their company in that regard. Um, I would say an important thing is, you know, your sales rep job function. So, you know, an important question to ask is, you know, is the day-to-day job your reps are doing now, is that different during COVID or, or not? My, my guess is in some percentage, it, it's going to be either extremely different or at least slightly different. You know, maybe you're, you're calling a lot and doing Zoom stuff, but otherwise, you know, this, this might be a good opportunity. You know, if this kind of moves into the future even more, you may, for example, if you have a quota plan or a commission plan or a lot of these different plans you had beforehand, you know, if, if this ends up going into, let's say, the third quarter, you may actually want to design a brand new plan mm. for the end of the year. Um, and one of our kind of ideas for this um, would be to have kind of a uh, type of plan that's called an MBO, so management by objectives. Um, you may have, you know, if you went to business school, you may have learned about MBOs. Um, but, you know, it's essentially setting, you know, you might set a goal in conjunction with your manager or multiple sets of goals. And it's kind of, you know, you get a score kind of like a test and that's kind of how your payout is determined. Um, you could you could design an MBO plan where, you know, it's based on, you know, things like, you know, things that are activity based, you know, how many Zoom calls are you making a day? How many telesales calls or, or delivery lunches? Or it could just be promoting things um, administratively that, you know, you may or may not be able to do normally, you know, and in our field, especially, you know, data is important, you know, um, you know, this could be a good opportunity to clean up your data in, in that respect, or um, improving your existing kind of targeting of your, your sales targets. Um, uh, you know, this is this could be an ample opportunity to help kind of iron out some issues that you haven't been able to iron out normally. Um, in terms of, you know, the way things roll out geographically, I think that's that's a tough question. And um, I think organizations just really, they really have to be flexible, but decisive. And that's kind of a tough mix, I think, to kind of have those both at the same time. But I think if you're in a situation where, you know, let's say in Memphis, you know, it becomes, you know, I think our governor actually said that our stay-at-home uh, state-level thing is, is going away at the end of the month. Now, I don't know if that means we're all going to be outside again, but it's not going to happen in New York. So perhaps, you know, you have some salespeople incentivize one way and reps who can't do that, maybe they're incentivized another way or they get a guaranteed payout. Uh, these yeah. are all things that you kind of have to assess organization by organization. I know that was a lot, but... Um, so, Chris, we have seen some... Uh, we've been in some conversations where sales leaders are talking about shortening the, the timelines of their compensation and incentives and goals because things are changing so quickly. Are you seeing that and how are you addressing that? I would say we're, we're seeing that in some cases, um, you know, you could, that, that's one way of approaching it. You could sort of uh, shorten the timeline. Uh, you also, 
another way that you can kind of uh, address that type of situation is you can keep your quotas the same, pay people what they've earned, but then later on in the year when things are quote unquote back to normal, um, now you're betting that they're going back to normal, but then you kind of true up and you pay people a little more later. So um, retroactively looking at at performance to say, all right, we had we had anticipated X. It actually came in at X minus 10. So now let's readjust everything after the fact. Um, correct. To, to what that is. OK, that's uh, interesting. What are some of the other what are the, some of the other ways that you're looking? I know in, in the white paper, you talk about a number of different you know ways of looking at paying out. Um, where again, it might be paying at target, as you said, that guarantee. It might be looking at some months or reducing quotas overall. Are there other factors that companies are doing looking forward given the uncertainty that is going on? You know, when we kind of tend to look at this from a, a data perspective, and again, I can kind of tie into the behavioral part. As I kind of touched on a little bit earlier, you know, goals that may have been predictable before may now be all out of whack. You know, that distribution may be really large. So one way that we've seen some companies be able to address this is just have a national team goal plan where, you know, you consider paying sales reps evenly based on how well the company does against, you know, instead of a territory goal, maybe a regional or national goal. Um, and that could be a good way to adjust for these situations later on where geographically areas are opening up other areas aren't opening up. Well, and I think that's an that's an interesting piece because I'll, I'll bring in some of the behavioral piece of this, which is the idea of people being under stress during this time. There's a there's a huge amount of stress, so the psychological impact of that is that people respond very differently um, and are motivated very differently. And so one of the ways to get around some of the that component is to focus in on some of uh, the larger bigger picture perspectives and working as a united front in this actually can activate some of the drives that are in the four drive model. The, the one that I'm thinking of is the, the, def, the defend drive, which is really about, hey, I feel affinity towards this organization. I'm going to defend it from all outward appearances and having that national number aligns with that much, much more readily than I'm going to go out and do this for myself. Now it's an individual focus, which doesn't lend itself into uh, participating in that drive as much as a national or a, even a even maybe a regional or a team goal uh, can do in those instances. So um, th that's cool. Uh, other other thoughts on some other things that that you've seen? Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, another area that could that could potentially you know we could address some of these things would be. You know, uh, you, we talk a lot about incentive compensation, but there's also sales contests. Yeah. You know, sales contests are distinct from incentive compensation in, in that they're more short-term directives instead of being, you know, for the entire year, they might be a month or three months or something of that nature to kind of, um, you know, address more of a short-term concern. Uh, for example, we have a client who right now is actually before COVID, they designed a contest that was based on speaker programs and, you know, for every speaker program, they um, they have a certain minimum threshold of attendees. They uh, are able to get a, a little something for that. Um, they've really only had to amend it a little bit to get uh, add virtual speaker programs in there. Uh, but it's kind of the same kind of the same idea. Um, so that's 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 something kind of recently we've seen. And and you know, kind of going along with that, you know, companies could use this as an opportunity to kind of do not a controlled experiment, obviously, but 
you know, to say, hey, is there, you know, some new targeting initiative? Like, hey, we have a hunch that, you know, this particular subgroup of folks, um, you might be more effective with this particular uh, type of marketing. This could be a good uh, contest, could be a good opportunity to go after that without having to redesign the whole incentive compensation plan. And then it's just kind of not working out. So, Chris, what about the annual awards, uh, various different um, trips or larger, you know, uh, top performer awards for the year, President's Club type of uh, approaches. What are you seeing? How are companies addressing that given this? Is that something that still they're holding off to see how this is going to all roll out? Are they changing things now? What what have you what have you observed? Um, so just in the way that I'm uh, kind of holding off on deciding about my vacations later this year, I think most of the organizations were. Uh, are really kind of holding off on that. Um, I think, you know, luckily a lot of organizations, they have a bit of an advantage in a sense because their data that is at least IC grade is usually at least two to three months behind. So they are actually able to be kind of flexible in that way. Um, so, you know, for example, they, they, they could have ample opportunity to assess the data and say, you know, maybe we don't want to use Q2 numbers as, sort of a determining factor for whether or not someone's going to get President's Club, but maybe maybe looking at Q2 and Q, or Q, excuse me, Q3 and Q4 with maybe some modified adjusted goals, that might actually be a good way to assess it if things kind of go back to normal. Um, obviously, if it goes more into the end of the year, perhaps, you know, developing some other kind of alternative criteria, but I don't think folks are really there yet from what I've seen. When you are you know discussing with with clients what's what's going on what what are their biggest concerns what what are the biggest challenges that they're facing right now and how are you helping them address that um so i th- i think their their biggest concern is probably a little multifaceted on one hand i think folks are willing to be flexible and trying to you know change things up to try to help motivate people but at the end of the day you know they're bottom line may also be impacted by this. You know, they, in a normal scenario, for example, they may have the budget to do a contest and kind of test some things out, but that contest budget because of the bottom line might not really be there right now. No, that's, that's, I think that's important to to think about. That's great. Yeah. So the, the, the piece that is always interesting to me on in not, not always the piece that's interesting to me in this situation, because it is so unique, is that some of the responses that people have, uh, both from an organization responding in creating a new or changing their incentive plan to try to address some of the, the concerns that are out there, but then also in how those changes are interpreted by the salesperson. And a, a concern that that I've raised with some of our clients is this idea that uh, that interpretation could be such that it actually creates a blowback because the the idea of well no just go out there keep you know just sell as much as you can because we need the the revenue may actually have a negative impact um, back on on some people's uh, interpretation of of the company and and what they 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 believe in because it's tone deaf to a certain degree given 
all of the craziness that's out there, particularly in the pharmaceutical industry where you're, you may be selling to doctors who are on the front line who you typically are selling to. And now you're, you're asking people to go out. And I, I hope that's not happening. I hope that that companies aren't as insensitive to the, the pain and suffering that's out there and the stress and worry that are in the, in the, um, sales reps minds but are our companies that you're talking to are they are they wondering some of those same things are they looking more at this from just a business data give me the facts and i'll we'll worry about the emotions at at, at a later time or or is it all over the board which probably is yeah i mean part of it is is a bit all over the board but i i mean i would say a lot of the things you touched on are really kind of these you know i i think of things is being kind of motivators within the IC plan or things that are motivators outside the IC plan. And a lot of things you talk about are really motivators outside the IC plan, which, you know, kind of comes down to, you know, something is basic or really not so basic when you think about it is communication. You know, you have that manager to rep communication um, is important as, as also the kind of the leadership um, team to kind of the Salesforce communication. You know, you want to, you know, have, carefully crafted emails that, you know, inspire confidence, you know, strike a balance between flexibility, kind of minimizing disruption and sort of being decisive. And, you know, just based on what I've seen in a lot of different organizations, I think when it comes to those type of communications, I think honesty is the best policy. It's, I mean, that sounds maybe a little cheesy, but I think if you're honest with employees about the situation, like, hey, we can't forecast goals right now, and we don't want to comp you on those goals. I think folks, my, my sense is that folks may be more inclined to be loyal and ultimately motivated that, hey, they're not just going to throw me a goal that it, I just can't attain. I'm not going to try. Like, hey, they're, they're, they're giving it some thought. They're, um, yeah, you know, it's, and, it's, yeah. it's having that kid in the back of your Zoom meeting now that, you know, would have been crazy to, to imagine and probably would have got some eyebrows raised two months ago, but now it's like, oh, nope, they're doing, they got kids at home, they got the dog there. It, the, I think there's a little more grace that people are are having about things. And so to the idea that you say, and I love the idea of being able to, to be as honest as possible with, with your reps, because I think that's really good. And the idea of saying, hey, we just don't think we can, we can set a quota that is going to be really accurate. And so instead of doing that, we're going to be looking at these alternative ways of doing this or give us some time to to work through that. And I, I think people are forgiving in this time and age because they understand that it's not, it is not business as usual. And so they shouldn't, you know, companies shouldn't be approaching it as business as usual. Sure. And I mean, when it comes to that type of stuff, I think, you know, with, with, with that honesty, I think it's also important to listen to your salespeople. You know, nowadays, technology is such that it's quite cheap to set up, you know, a survey monkey survey or, you know, Google forms like you can, or even just, you know, email, just mass email out and communicate it downward. Um, you know, we have, we have companies even before COVID-19 that, you know, we would, let's, you know, they design an IC plan and we would say, you know, here's option one, two, and three, and they would actually distribute that downstream and they would give us feedback on it and we would provide you know limitations like hey you guys could do a quota plan but your product is kind of new and you know it might not be the best idea and people when they get that type of um direction on you know they might be inclined to say oh yeah quota plan that sounds great but if they get that direction that hey 
they're being honest that we really, it, this might not make sense right now. Usually people are, are receptive to that. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's ultimately good to show that the field that you're, you're listening to them. Mm. Chris, have you seen any blunders? Not, I'm not interested in any client names. That's not, that's, I'm not, you know, we're not gotcha journalists here, but I am curious if you've, if you've seen some missteps that uh, have been hard to recover from. Um, not, not that I've really seen at this point. I would say I'm curious to see, you know, some of the folks that aren't really changing their plan at all. They're remaining steadfast. Um, how well that might work out. Now, as I mentioned before, you know, for a lot of companies, they might really only be in January or February data. So they, you know, are able to kind of see, almost look, you know, they, 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 they have time to make these adjustments if they need to. Um, but so far, no big blunders that I've seen, which is, which is good. <laughs> that is good. That is good. So, yeah. We'll so any, yeah. any last thoughts uh, of, of what companies should be really focused in on given this craziness as it pertains to sales incentives, analytics, any, any of this piece, any last words of wisdom as, as we're wrapping up here? Sure. I mean, I would say, obviously, you know, this time is a challenge. And when you're talking about motivation, I think you well know probably better than, than me that motivation is difficult during normal times, period. So, um, you know, in, in, in that sense, I think you just have to, you know, keep that open line of communication with the field, um, communicate that honesty. And, um, you know, I think this, it, I, I would say this, this, although it's challenging, there, this is a unique opportunity to actually be able to do things you might not normally be able to do. Right now, geography isn't actually a barrier to a lot of people. You know, you could, you know, strategically, you can reach people that you may not be able to reach before. If your sales reps aren't normally reaching Hawaii or Puerto Rico or some places that are a little farther out, you can do that now if you want. Um, this could be a good opportunity, as I kind of mentioned before, to address some some data concerns. You know, data is not 100% perfect. This could be a good opportunity to go out and have your field, or not have the field go out, but for them to review themselves and say, hey, who are, who are my targets? You know, is this is this doctor, has he been retired for three years? And for some reason, he's just coming through on my reports. You know, it, this is a great opportunity for refs to do that. Um, you know, if there's, uh, you know, virtual training programs, things of that nature, you know, at the end of the day, your reps, you know, obviously they're, you know, here at home, but they're also not traveling. So there's a certain amount of time that they're saving by, by not doing that, that you could potentially fill with other things. You know, you, at the end of the day, you know, organizations, they have, you know, 20, 50, 100, 200, full-time employees that, you know, you may want to allocate some of their time towards these initiatives. It might be a great opportunity. Chris, thank you. That's terrific, Chris. Yeah, thanks so much. We really appreciate your sharing your time and your thoughts. Thank you. Great to be on. Welcome to the special edition grooving session where Tim and I groove on some ideas and concepts that were inspired by our conversation with Chris. All right, Mr. Hulahan. What inspired you? So let's start by just saying that all of our comments now are based on a conversation that we had with Chris very early in the crisis. <laughs> yes, yes, right? we have. So he was, we've, yeah. we've, we've learned a bunch because the world has changed. And uh, you know, I see data is two months behind. A lot of his clients didn't have any data from even hardly from January or February, certainly not from February. Uh, so let, let's just frame it there. Okay. Yeah. So, the, 
but but all right so but here framing thank but you he- but here we are, and I think that the first thing that struck me was how important it is to be consistent with your culture, right? We we love defaults, right? We like we like uh, status quo bias, and so this idea of whatever things you're going to do to your sales comp in this time of change need to be at least consistent with the culture that your company already has in place. Or, yeah, we started <laughs> to talk about this. This is an opportunity for companies to look at their culture and to say, is this the culture that we want moving forward? Because as Wendy Wood said, this is the catastrophic catastrophic effect. Oh my God, my words are bad. (laughs) A catastrophic uh, fresh start. This ability for us to be able to look at things because nothing is normal. and, And so it offers this opportunity to change much easier at this point in time. And right. and there's this idea around incentive plans. And, and this is really, I think, important, is that there's this yin and yang in my perception that, hey, culture informs the incentive plan, right? That you should you should match your incentive plan to the culture that you have. But you should also know that that the incentive plan informs the culture. It 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 is this it aspect that you go back and forth on. And so when you're looking at the culture and the incentive plans that are being put in place during this this crisis time, um, you, you know you need to match it up because if you go too far away from what you had, uh, it causes confusion. And there's this idea if you have a collaborative culture versus a competitive culture, right? If you have a collaborative culture and you try to put a really competitive incentive plan in, it could backfire and then vice versa. The The idea though, is that you need to understand that and you need to be purposeful right. about where you're trying to go with this. And, you know, companies have been going through drastic changes and they don't, they can't operate their plans the way they used to. This is one of the big pieces as I'm working with clients right now that we're, we're dealing with is we're trying to figure out how do you recognize top performers when maybe, you know, quarters worth of data are, are not there. You don't have performance data because they couldn't be selling or that maybe some, some regions could sell and others couldn't or there's virtual, you know, selling all of those things. So you might have a vast amount of data. And so is it fair to have that same annual top performer recognition right. when maybe half of the year isn't isn't being counted? And and if so, and then maybe, you know, different regions are coming out of this at different uh, opportunities, you know, someplace in Montana or Nebraska is vastly different than New York City or or someplace in in LA. So Absolutely. All of those factors come into play. Yeah, so moving to national or regional uh, goals it might make sense because it it helps undermine the it, it or helps support the idea that we care about what's going on in the field and we as a company care about the reps and and this kind of gets to something that we talked about before we went on on air and that was fairness yeah right? the fairness is a is really um, top of mind for a lot of companies that are that are trying to figure out how do we retain our best talent as at the same time manage our bottom line but. Maybe we move to MBO plans. Maybe we we change up the way that we look at sales contests in order to 
bring more parity among uh, the individuals and the teams, right? Right. And particularly, you talked about that at one point you said, you know, it shows the company cares. And I think that is the underlying piece of this is that by by being fair in, in how this is and not just saying, hey, we're going to run this like we've always run it. And you know, we don't care because it's all about performance. And these are, you know, we're a performance driven organization. You have to understand that there's implications for that. And and this idea that a company cares and that they're trying to do things that are going to be as fair as possible are going to have long-term positive impacts for that organization, both from retention as well as motivation. I, I talked with one regional business director the other day. And he was talking about his company's response, which he's, he's, he thought was very positive. They had done some guarantee payouts. They have, you know, showed some empathy and, and a lot of caring. And, and they had been, before this, they had been going through some retention issues. There had been some other components going on. They were losing some of their top performers to companies that were being able to pay more. His words, and I'm going to paraphrase these, but he said, our response to the pandemic is the best retention tool I will have for the next number of years. He said the the idea that we cared and how we responded has gone such so far in in generating loyalty within the field force that he said, you know, I, I can't commend our leadership more. And so when we think about those types of of situations where companies that are dealing with their employees, with their field force, with their salespeople from a component of caring and a component of fairness, there's going to be lots of benefits that are going to be reaped from that in the long term. This ties into the second theme that's on my brain, and that is about transparency, right? Because because equity and fairness, they are really enhanced when there is a transparent environment. And this is that opportunity to increase loyalty through an increase in transparency and, and being able to say, we don't know, we don't even have the IC data you know, the, to actually know exactly what the impact is on our prescriptions from the last two months. We have no idea. But- Let's acknowledge that. Let's be transparent about it. Uh, aside from the fact that the whole company operates on that knowledge, let's just speak it, identify it, and be transparent about, okay, we don't know what, what the, the best thing to do is, but here's what we're going to do for the next you know, 30 days. We're going to try this. Yeah. Communication around this is key. Um, and, and you know, transparency usually is rewarded with reciprocity. So uh, people are going to be more open to it. Of course. And, and I think organizations are doing a decent job. Like they, they understand this. But I think we're at this point now where we're getting back to a semblance of, of maybe what it used to be and a semblance of normalcy. And so I'm, I'm afraid, I'm worried that companies are going to go back to some of the old ways of communicating. And, and we've worked with some companies, um, you know, with the Lantern Group, uh, really trying to put in place a campaign to help fully identify what companies need to communicate and to communicate it in a way that is going to be uh, understood and comprehended and clear and consistent and shows that they care. It's like, you know, this, what's our plan forward and how are we going to do that and do it in an engaging and caring way? Because it needs to be relevant for what's going on now. And we're not going back to business as usual. 
No. So, so uh, leaders need to be aware that there isn't going to be a point in time in in the next in the foreseeable future where we're going to have a period where you go, well, let's just do it the way we did it in 2017. Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> and that goes that goes from your incentive plan design to your contest design to your reward and recognition programs that you have in place to how you communicate exactly. all of those. This is this is yeah. key, people. If you don't understand that you have to think differently about this, then I think you are missing a huge opportunity and actually probably pushing your organization backwards in in this instance. So, and it's not easy. Chris Chris said, you know, motivation is hard and it's especially hard right now. And I don't know if I, I don't agree that uh, with if if we think of that as oh, people aren't motivated. I think that that's the wrong way to take it. I think that the challenge is how do we devise the most motivational plans? How do we write the most motivational designs right now. That's the big challenge. And that requires, guess what? That requires a lot of system two thinking, a lot of difficult, hard, hard, conscious thought about what is best and to lay aside a bunch of the, oh, this is the way we used to do it. Well, and, and you know, he talked about trying something new and you talked about the status quo bias. And, and I think the biggest hurdle that I've seen and, and, you know, working with a small set of end companies around their incentives, but we're, we're working with them on this. And one of the biggest pieces we're doing these interviews with key stakeholders and various different people within the organization is this getting over the way that we used to do things like uh, work with one organization that that just did not like to use MBOs. It was not part of their culture, as we talked about at the very beginning. It was, no, we, we want some quantifiable uh, demonstrable performance measures as part of our incentives. And yet, you know, in this time and place, uh, we're looking at this and saying that may not be possible. And so they're being really open. I'm, I'm really proud of them because they're being open to putting in some qualitative MBO type measures because that's what's necessary given the time frame. Right. And they're looking at this and saying it's what's going to be fair. It's going to be what's going to be able to actually allow us to move forward with some of these things. So I think getting over that, uh, that yeah, motivation is hard, but also getting past this idea of, you know what, we've always done it this way and it's a- against what we've, we've believed in. Well, it's a drastic change and you sometimes needs drastic measures to, to look at that. Yeah. I also just uh, a note, this is a good time to use MBOs to get things like administrative work or training programs done. The, those kinds of things are really important long-term. They have great benefit long-term, but this is a good time to reward people for doing the things that <laughs> maybe we should have been doing before. Well, and again, take into consideration the time when we interviewed Chris, where many, particularly in the pharmaceutical industry, at that point where salespeople couldn't go out, they could not meet with their customers. And so they basically were not selling. And so that time was used by getting administrative work done, doing training programs. I've talked with lots of companies that, you know what, they, I feel so sorry for those, those training teams because they were just like, we need this training out, you know, next week. And normally it would take months and they had to condense all of that work into, into weeks. And they've done a, a very fine job of doing that. So those are the, 
those are the types of things, though, that you have to be thinking about. Like, what are the things that we can reward and recognize people for things going above and beyond what how are you how are you embracing there's new ways of selling my god i mean there's virtual detailing that is going on in the pharmaceutical industry that that yeah had been around but god it, you know under five percent utilization if even that and now it is you it know the way for, yeah. for some some areas new york city i think is still you, you can't go out and, and meet your clients so you the only way you're doing this is virtually in various different aspects so you're you're having new ways of selling you need to be thinking about new ways of, of doing things all right so i think we beat that to death what do you think? In a great way, though. I think there was, was a good conversation and, and a good grooving session. Yeah. So, all right. So, everybody, thank you. If uh, you found this beneficial at all, please let us know. Leave a review. Share it with a friend. We are always looking for feedback from you and uh, take that very seriously. So, thank you. Thank you for listening to the special episode of Behavior Grooves. We hope that you found it interesting and insightful. If you liked it, please let others know. We think that the topic is important and maybe we can help in educating people about how behavioral science can help us all out in this current craziness that we are going through. Also, please let us know if you have any thoughts or ideas that would be helpful or that we could share. You can reach us through the Connect tab on the Behavioral Grooves website at www.behavioralgrooves.com or through Twitter. I'm at T. Houlihan and Kurt is at What Motivates. We really do love hearing from you. And this topic is one that spurs lots of emotions and thought. As part of our mission, we want to expand and inform the community of people who think about positively applying behavioral science to life. One way that happens is through leaving reviews. If you think this podcast is beneficial and should grow, we would really appreciate to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast server you use. It only takes a few minutes and goes a long way to boost us in the algorithms that are used to generate search results. Also, please check out the show notes. We are linking to a number of resources articles, podcasts, newsletters that we vetted to bring good facts and ideas around COVID-19 and the coronavirus, its impact and ways that we can help slow down the spread. There is a lot of information that's being pushed out to everyone each day, and we are weeding through it to find good stuff so that you don't have to. We truly appreciate you listening. Now go out and wash your hands. <laughs>